that is O Living Bread from Heaven. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this July the 28th in the year of our Lord 2020. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and on Rumination Thursday, we take a look at hymns, and with us we have the Reverend Dr. Mark Smith. Hi, Mark. Hey, Tom, this is Tuesday, not Thursday. <laughs> Did I say on Thursday? Thursday, yes. <laughs> yeah, I was hoping Wes was on with me. <laughs> I got a little story to tell you. Okay. We have a number of listeners, and one of them is the tremendous organist at St. Paul de Pere, Mark Bender. Oh, yes, and, I've heard of him. Oh, my. Uh, he has done some wonderful things uh, for a youth group. He redid the Te Deum with instruments, etc. It's one of my favorite pieces, listening to it on YouTube. Well, he gave us uh, a ring about our program and indicated that I should get a hold of two books from Concordia Publishing House called the Lutheran Service Book. It's companion to the new hymnal. Uh, one of them has all the authors and translators and their lives and the other one has every hymn in it. At that time, the virus had hit, and I was not able to go to a number of the congregations I was going to. So I told them that I'd have to wait till I got a little bit more funding in to buy them because they're kind of expensive. Well, last week, my daughter came over to the house, and for Father's Day, she gave me both books. And so I have them in front of me right now, and they really are tremendous. One book has all the authors. Uh, who is the author of this particular hymn that were a uh, living bread from heaven? Well, let's see. The text is uh, Johann Rist. R-I-S-T. He was born uh, in Ottensen, Germany, on March the 8th, 1607, and was the son of a Lutheran pastor. How about that? He really, uh, an excellent violinist, came under the influence of another man I don't know, Joshua Stegman, a theology professor and well-known hymnist. He married a woman named Elizabeth in the spring of 1635. They had five children. Uh, two of them died early. Elizabeth died in 1662, and then he remarried an Anna Hagedorn in 1664. Now, this next item is really interested. His texts were among the most sought after by musicians of his day, along with those of Paul Gerhardt. Wow, I've heard of. I know. I've heard of. I've heard of Gerhard, of course. Oh my, tremendous guy! In 1644, Emperor Ferdinand III crowned him as poet laureate, and so he was really well known. He wrote two plays in 1647 and 1653 because he was living during the Thirty Years' War, and he depicted the sufferings 
You know how many hymns that he wrote? You're talking about Johann Johann Rist, right? Yep. How many? Six hundred and fifty. Oh my goodness. And my goodness. primarily he wrote his hymns for private use in the Christian home and family rather than for corporate worship. In fact, none of the 650 hymns he wrote were sung in his congregation that he served at Weddell. Now, he had a saying that is well known. The sweet cross has squeezed many hymns out of me. How about that? Isn't that interesting? Yeah, no kidding. In our hymnal, there's four of them. Break forth, O beauteous heavenly light. Yeah, I've heard o that. darkest woe. Yeah, I've Lord heard that. Jesus Christ, life-giving bread. And then, O living bread from heaven. Now, what was so amazing, first time I'm looking at these books, guess who the translator was? Catherine Winkworth, our friend Catherine Winkworth, the translator of many hymns. God bless her. And they had a number of pages about her, born in 1827, the fourth daughter of a silk manufacturer. And she was sent to live in Dresden to stay with relatives for a year where she learned the German language because she was in London, of course, and knew English. Both of her parents came from the Anglican homes of the evangelical persuasion, and some of the doctrines she was taught was by the Calvinistic evangelical school of John Newton. In her earlier years, it says she was tutored by Unitarian ministers, Uh but as she began to translate the hymns, her career appeared to become much more conservative understanding of the Christian faith. And she remained in the Church of England to the end of her life. By the early 1850s, she had been born in 1827, her skills with the German language were rapidly expanding, and she began the work of translating the best of the German hymns into metrical English, uh, put out a a number of uh, booklets. Uh, like her sister, Susanna, she never married, but was a supporter promoting the education of women and social work among the poor. And at age 50, she died suddenly of a heart attack. Hmm. How many translations do you think she did? Oh, man, I hate to guess. Well, we're always running into a hymn that's been translated by her. I mean, again and again. How many? 400. Oh, wow. That was a lot of translating. Good By night. more than 170 German authors. And, in fact, no her she influence needed. on English-language Lutheran hymnals in America as especially found in the Missouri Synod, without parallel. Seventy-three of her translations are found in TLH. That's the 1941 hymnal. Forty-one 
in LW. That's the 1982 hymnal. And 51 plus an additional 15 in our present hymnal, LSB. And then they have a list of all of her translations. Wow. So this is a tremendous uh, book, Lutheran service book. It's uh, able to be received. Uh, There's two volumes at uh, Concordia Publishing House. And uh, what we're going to look at right now is O Living Bread from Heaven, which is the hymn of the day selected for this coming Sunday. Uh, Do you know why it was selected? Well, I think it has something to do with, you know, the lesson is uh, for this Sunday is the feeding of the 5,000. Exactly. Yeah. Feeding of the 5,000. So without further ado, please read the first stanza. Okay. O living bread from heaven, how well you feed your guest. The gifts that you have given have filled my heart with rest. O wondrous food of blessing, O cup that heals our woes, my heart, this gift possessing, with praises overflows. Now you can see from the top of the page uh, what season or what portion of the liturgy this can be used for. It's it's the Lord's Supper. It could be it's a, it's a good sermon hymn if you're going to preach on the Lord's Supper, or it, I suppose it could be used during the distribution too. Yes, exactly. In fact, that's where I put it for the service this coming Sunday uh, during the distribution at 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 the church I'm at. They do not sing the hymns yet. They're a little concerned about droplets coming uh-huh. from the people's mouths. So we speak the hymns. Really? Although we have a tremendous pianist who uh, plays this particular hymn during communion where people can think about it. So well, I would really, bread I would really, heaven. I would really miss the singing of the hymns. I bet they do, too. Yes. Don't don't There's they no comment on that? It. Pardon? Don't they comment on how how much they miss the singing? I I just that almost as much as the sermon I would miss. Well, I disagree with you. Uh, first of all, to your point, I received uh, from a one of our listeners an article that indicated that singing the hymns does not create more of a chance of getting the virus because very rarely do droplets come out of your mouth and that's what causes the virus and if you're six feet away from someone hearing someone singing the trouble is at choir rehearsals people aren't six feet away from each other yeah but in our congregation uh, we have the various pews roped off So we do have that distance. And so there should be no problem in singing, but the church isn't ready for it. The other reason I don't mind it, have you ever asked the question, we've got a very famous hymn, and at the end of the first verse it says, on earth is not his equal, and to whom is that referring? 90% of Lutherans 
say it's referring to Jesus Christ. No, it's it's referring to the devil. (laughs) I know. Yeah. But see, this is a problem in singing the hymn, is that you don't read it while you're singing it. Huh. And what a difference it makes when you're reading a hymn. You're now hearing words that you hadn't really been reflecting on. And I have found that myself as we read the hymns, uh, even well-known Easter hymns. I say, oh, I didn't realize that that phrase was saying that. So sometimes it's good just to read the hymns. Other times it's good to sing them. But the best way to do it is to sing and read and contemplate on the words. That's why we have Rumination Tuesday, to help the people understand the words. Now, what would you say about stanza one that is important? Well, let's see. Living bread, Jesus is the, he's the bread of life. And, of course, uh, uh, he's filled my heart with rest, wondrous food of blessing, O cup that heals our woes. Um my heart this gift possessing with praises overflows i i i respond in praise because uh because my heart possesses this gift of eternal life the living bread from heaven uh gives us e- eternal life we're going to learn in later verses that it's the that it uh well we'll wait till the wait later verses we get to them okay the thing is you have an assurance of salvation right from jesus in the lord's supper Absolutely. Now, uh, it was interesting. She was growing up in a situation where she really didn't hold to that the body and blood of Jesus Christ is in with and under the bread and the wine. You're talking and about so you'll notice, Winkworth. In, 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 yeah, Winkworth. Right. Uh, Johann Rist, of course, believed it because he was of Lutheran. But um, notice that my heart this gift possessing no i would uh like to say my mouth this gift possessing makes a big difference that we don't believe that we receive the lord's supper and jesus body and blood is in heaven and so we receive it in our heart no we receive it in our mouth in with and under the bread and the wine right and um, I looked up the word bread. I have a concordance to the entire hymnal. And I didn't find any hymns talking about the bread of the feeding of the 5,000 or the 4,000, which I found interesting. All of the hymns were about Jesus as the bread of life. Not one of them talked about the feeding of the 5,000 or feeding of the 4,000. Not one. Not one. Really? Yeah, and and there were about 40 of them. So that's your task today to write that. But your task right now, well, I'll read stanza two. My Lord, you here have led me to this most holy place, and with yourself have fed me the treasure of your grace. For you have freely given what earth could never buy, the bread of life from heaven, that now I shall not die. 
Now, that kind of goes the Old Testament lesson where it's talking about that we receive things that we cannot pay for, that money cannot buy. That's right. But who is the subject of stanza two all the time? Well, it's it's talking about Jesus, my Lord. You have here, you have led me to this most holy place, and with yourself you fed me. That's, that's Jesus gives us His own body and blood, and, yes. and because so it's uh, it's it's Christ is the subject of that verse. Excellent, and because, we are the recipients. And we pastors do not have the power to give you bread and wine in, with, and under the body and blood of Christ. It is the work of God uh, doing that. Very, very important. Remember when um, the Red Sea was parted. Who parted the Red Sea? God. But no, Moses was there, of course. Well, your answer is correct. Moses lifted up the rod that parted the Red Sea. That's but right. it was God who did the parting because he alone has power over wind and wave. That's Only right. God does. At the Lord's Supper, he uses pastors like he uses Moses to use the bread and the wine. But God is the one who does the miracle of bringing the body and blood of Christ through the bread and the wine. Yeah, we're so, mere stewards of the mysteries of God. Yeah, in he fact, does, that's also found in the absolution. That's right. How does that go? The absolution. Upon this your confession? I, by virtue of my office as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you, and in the stead yeah. and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. We have the authority to do it. We don't have the power to do it. Right. That's really important to understand. Stands yeah, it's not some plea. indelible character that it's not some indelible character that's bestowed upon us at our ordination. Right. Stands with three. Yeah. You gave me all I wanted. This food can death destroy. And you have freely granted the cup of endless joy. My Lord, I do not merit the favor you have shown. And all my soul and spirit bow down before your throne. I really like that phrase about the merit. Because there's a distinction between law and gospel. None of us merit or earn heaven by our works. But we look to Jesus as the one who strengthens us, and this food can death destroy. Now, That's right. How is that possible? If human beings die, how can we say that death is destroyed? Well, our, our spirit goes right away to be with our Savior. We're, we're, we're asleep in Jesus, as we say in the obituary, but we're still living. Our, our, we have eternal life that began with our baptism, and it goes, and we go on, we all go on living. 
uh, and someday even our body will join our our spirit on the last on judgment day. day. Well right. said. In fact, um, the death that's destroyed is eternal death, living in hell. For believers, that death is destroyed, uh, not our mortal death, which is just a passageway from the world into heaven. All right. Stanza four, please. Lord, grant me then, thus strengthened, with heavenly food, while here my course on earth is lengthened, to serve with holy fear. And when you call my spirit to leave this world below, I enter through your merit, where joys unmingled flow. So stanza three talks about, I do not merit the favor you have shown. Stanza four talks about, I enter through your merit. What does that mean? What merit is he talking about? He's, it's, it's Christ's merit. He's, yeah. he's, he's won for us eternal life. We, uh, he's made that great exchange. He's taken all our sins upon him uh, to the cross, and in exchange he's given, he's given us his, his, uh, his righteousness. His robe of righteousness drapes us. And uh, so when, when God the Father looks at us, uh, he looks at us through Christ's merit, not not. He doesn't look at our sins. They're covered with his merit. What's so helpful about the Lutheran service book, Companion, I mean, it's 1,600 pages long, is that it helps you to understand the environment in which Johann Rist was living, and this is during the war. And when you recognize that there was a war going on between the Roman Catholics and the Lutherans, then you can understand what he's talking about, that what Jesus has shown us, we bow down before his throne, that he therefore strengthens us with heavenly food while here my course on earth is lengthened. This is a most appropriate hymn. We we can't say, because I'm going to be preaching on the feeding of the 5,000, that God promises to give bread whenever we need it, because there are Christians, Christians who die imprisoned from starvation. But all things work together to our good, and we can be strengthened by the promises of God that come to us. And that's something that Johann Rist wrote about in the 600-plus hymns that he wrote. Yeah, didn't you mention, let's see, Johann Rist, didn't you say that, uh, that he lost a couple of his kids to death. Yes. I mean, you know, he had his he had his shares of sorrows in his life. Uh, you know, sometimes these things, terrible things, befall us. But nevertheless, God is with us all the time through thick and thin, and and uh, gives us what we need for eternal life. Yeah, I mentioned in the sermon last week that we Christians have a totally different attitude toward the virus situation. 
because we know that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And even were we to die, we just leave this veil of tears and go to be with Jesus forever. That's right. So, I I think that was helpful. Lutheran service book to give us greater insight into this wonderful hymn by Johann Riss, translated by Catherine Winkworth. Tomorrow on Law and Gospel, we continue with Walther's understanding of Law and Gospel. Tom Baker, Mark Smith, God bless. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.